Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I would like to begin this episode by considering a very important question. What does it mean to forgive? It is easy to go to the dictionary and see what the word itself means. The Random House Dictionary of the English Language gives five definitions of the word. It says that to forgive means, number one, to grant free pardon for or remission of an offense, a debt, etc., to absolve. Secondly, to give up all claim on account of, to remit. Third, to grant free pardon to a person. Fourth, to cease to feel resentment against, as in forgiving one's enemies. And fifth, to pardon an offense or an offender. So there we go. But practically speaking, what does forgive mean to you and to me? If we have truly been forgiven, or if we are going to truly forgive someone, what does that mean? That's going to be the focus of our study. Turning over to Matthew chapter 18, I want us to pick up reading in verse 21 and continue through the remainder of that chapter. There the Bible tells us, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This parable teaches us about forgiveness, what it really is and what motivates it, love and mercy. 
We didn't take the time to read it, but leading up to the parable was the teaching of Jesus concerning right relationships among brethren. The Lord taught what should take place if a brother sins against another. The brother who has been wronged is to go to the offending brother alone and talk to him about what has happened. If he refuses to hear, then the brother who has been wronged is to take one or two witnesses with him for the next discussion. If the offending brother still refuses to hear, it is to be made known to the entire congregation. An obvious implication of that teaching is that if at any time the brother who committed the sin repents and asks for forgiveness, then he is to be forgiven. His failure to repent is what necessitates each additional step. The forgiveness is predicated upon repentance. Evidently, the Lord's teaching got Peter to thinking, well, just how often should I be willing to forgive a brother? Seven times? It is important to note that a rather common teaching among the rabbis of that day was that a man was to be forgiven three times, no more. Well, Peter multiplied that by two and even added one for good measure. He was willing to forgive, but his forgiveness was going to be measured by a human standard, not the divine. Jesus' answer was not seven times, Peter, but seventy times seven. The point is a person should always be ready to forgive, but there is more to forgiveness than that, hence the parable. The parable is pretty self-explanatory. A king called all of his servants in to settle accounts, and he found that one man owed him ten thousand talents. My friends, that's a fantastic sum of money. It really makes us wonder how a man could get that far in debt to begin with. There was no way he could repay, absolutely none. And now the time of reckoning had come. The king commanded that he be sold along with his wife, children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. This was not such a heartless thing, and even though it would not have come close to completely paying the debt, the law of Moses in Exodus chapter 22 and verse 3 made it legal and it would serve to square the account. Well, the servant fell down and begged for mercy, and the king, moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. No sooner had he been released when that servant went out and found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii, or about twenty dollars. If given enough time, surely the man could pay the debt. But no, this servant would hear none of it. Even after the begging of his fellow servant, even considering the small amount of the debt, and even after having been the recipient of forgiveness himself, that unmerciful servant would not forgive. He had the man thrown into debtor's prison. Other servants went and told the king what had happened. When he learned of it, the king summoned the heartless servant in and told him that he should have forgiven his fellow servant just as forgiveness had been bestowed on him. He also let him know that because he had extended no mercy, no mercy would be extended to him. There is so much to be learned from this parable about forgiveness. First, consider the nature of human judgment. Did you see how willing the unmerciful servant was to condemn? The heartless way that he treated his fellow servant just leaps out at us. After having received forgiveness for a debt far beyond what he was owed, he took that poor fellow who owed him about $20 by the throat, the passage says, and demanded, pay me what you owe. If it wasn't so sad, it would be kind of funny to see this unmerciful servant expect of his fellow servant what he did not expect of himself. 
Isn't it easy to see the faults of others and expect them to perform to a level that we don't even expect of ourselves? It is easy to want our own shortcomings and failures to be overlooked and forgiven. It's not always so easy to be willing to do the same with others. But remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1-5. through 5. Jesus said, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the fleck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Secondly, notice the nature of divine forgiveness. Obviously, in the parable, the king is God, the debt is sin, and the servants stand for every man. The king was ready to forgive. The motive for his forgiveness was compassion. That is how God feels towards the sinner. While he hates sin, he has love for the sinner and offers forgiveness for those sins. I want to look now at the definition of forgiveness as it relates specifically to sins and as it is used in the Bible. According to Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words, in reference to sin, forgive signifies the remission of the punishment due to sinful conduct, the deliverance of the sinner from the penalty divinely and therefore righteously imposed. Secondly, it involves the complete removal of the cause of the offense. Once God has forgiven us of a sin, the penalty for that sin is removed, and indeed the very reason for the penalty, the sin, has been completely removed. What does that mean, practically speaking? It means that the sin is gone. There is no penalty yet to be paid for it, and it will never be remembered by God again. Look with me at some passages that speak of God's forgiveness of sin. For instance, Psalm 103, verse 12, a psalm of exhortation to praise God for his abundant mercy. David wrote, As far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 we read, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Moving over several chapters to Isaiah 43 and verse 25, we find, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember not your sins. From Hebrews 8 verse 12 and Hebrews 10 verse 17, we read, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. God wants to forgive our sins, and when he does, they are forgiven. They are gone. They will not be dredged up again by our Father. He will not bring them up again at some time when he is angry with us. But we must say that although God is so merciful to us, he is also just in forgiveness, and the lesson of the parable is clear. God will not forgive our sins if we're not willing to forgive others. There are few things as clearly set forth in God's word as that truth is. Remember the Lord's sample prayer, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is a virtue, but it is also a duty. Look at Luke 17, verses 3 and 4, where Jesus said, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. 
And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Our forgiveness is predicated upon the individual being willing to repent. That is what Jesus said. If he repents, forgive him. If we refuse to forgive when repentance has been manifested, then God will not forgive us. One of the most famous sayings of man was made by John Wesley. An individual once said to Wesley, I never forgive. And I might mention the fact that I had a brother in a Bible class make the statement that he would never forgive a certain individual. Anyhow, Wesley's reply was, then I hope, sir, that you never sin. Let's make some practical application. First of all, when we have rendered our obedience to the gospel, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized for the remission of our sins, then believe that those sins have been forgiven. God does not hold them against us anymore. There may be earthly consequences that remain because of our sin, but God does not hold them against us any longer. It speaks directly to our faith if we go about having done what God told us to do for forgiveness, yet not believing that he will forgive as he promised. After becoming Christians, we will still sin. But when we confess those sins and repent of them, praying to God for forgiveness, he will forgive. The story is told of a young woman who was a Christian, but had involved herself in sin. She went to the elders to discuss the situation and was so remorseful, weeping and broken heart with godly sorrow over what she had done. The elders said that it certainly seemed to them that she had repented, and all that was left was to pray to God for forgiveness, and they all prayed with her and for her that very night. But just a few days later, she was back, wanting to meet with the elders. When they met, she told them that she just couldn't get that sin off of her mind. She told them that her conscience wouldn't let her alone and requested that they pray again for her forgiveness of that sin. The reply of the elders was akin to, we can't do that. We can't ask God to forgive you of that sin because God would not know what we're talking about. As far as he is concerned, that sin is gone. When God forgives, he forgives and remembers the sin no more. We have got to believe that. Something else we need to talk about is our forgiveness of another. Notice the wording of Paul's exhortation in Ephesians 4 verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Think about that. Even as God in Christ forgave you. When a brother or sister has repented of a sin and repentance is necessary, remember that Jesus said, and if he repent and ask for forgiveness, then we need to forgive. Let it go. Never bring it up again. Never feel toward them as though they had not repented. Never make them feel as if they cannot move on. Once forgiven, the sin is forgiven. When we forgive one another, we have essentially thrown the sin into the sea of forgetfulness and God has posted no fishing allowed. One other point to be made from the parable is simply this. All men are debtors to God. There is no difference and no exceptions for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. That's Isaiah 53 and verse 6. Our relationship to God is one of debtor to creditor, and we all owe more than we could ever pay ourselves. 
the two sums of money in that parable were deliberate extremes. The servant owed his fellow servant a hundred denarii, about twenty dollars. But the other servant owed the king ten thousand talents. A talent was worth approximately nine hundred and sixty dollars, making the total debt nine million six hundred thousand dollars. It's a staggering sum of money, an unimaginable sum, when you consider that at that time Judea, Samaria, Galilee, and Perea together brought in less than 800 talents of tax money a year. It was a debt that no one could pay. So it is with our obligation to God. What are we going to give to God? Everything is His. We can give Him our lifelong service, yet when we do that we can only say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do, Luke 17.10. With God willing to forgive us and to never hold a forgiven sin against us again, with the enormous debt that we owe, how in the world can we be less with a brother or sister in Christ willing to forgive him or her who has repented? I hope you'll give consideration to these words, and thanks again for listening.